For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to episode number 17 of the Believe in Minnesota Football podcast presented by the Believe Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Tony Liebert, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Liebert and at Instagram at Tony underscore Liebert. That's Tony L-I-E-B-E-R-T. Um, for today's episode... I will be previewing the Gophers' highly anticipated Week 11 matchup in the battle for the Floyd of Rosedale against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, I'll be talking about how good I actually think Iowa is. I'll break down their roster, talk about their quarterback situation. Is Spencer Petras going to play? Is he hurt? What's going on there? Um, and what Minnesota's path to victory might look like on Saturday. I'll also react to the most recent uh, edition of the college football playoff rankings and how that affects the Gophers. All right, so some instant takeaways from Iowa. Obviously, it's a team that most Gophers fans have been paying attention to all year, and they pay attention to every year. I think the theme of their uh, season has kind of been that they uh, this was supposed to be their dream year. Uh, they were ranked number two, and since then, they are two and three. So, what happened? Uh, that's what I'm here to tell you today. Um, so, they're seven and two on the year. They obviously opened the year with wins over Indiana, Iowa State, Kent State, Colorado State, Maryland, and Penn State. And then they jumped all the way up to number two in the rankings. Since then, they've had losses uh, at home against Purdue, at Wisconsin, and then last week, most recently, they went to Northwestern and won 17-12. to Um... So last year they were six and two. This year, uh, they were supposed to uh, kind of take a step forward, at least for an Iowa team. And instead of uh, being that, having that eight and four record, they were expected to have a shot at the Big Ten West title. Um, there were obviously a lot of be- believers and a lot of people who believed early in the year. Um, Heading into the year, they returned 13 starters total, uh, six on offense, seven on defense. Um, looking at how they performed statistically so far this year, um, they averaged 22.4 points per game on offense, which is 95th 
in the NCAA. Um, not saying the Gophers are much better, but this team's strength is obviously not moving the ball down the field. Uh, they are 108th in the country in passing yards per game, 185.3, uh, which truly, unfortunately, is still better than the Gophers. Um, but they are 110th in the NCAA in rushing yards per game at 114.1, um, which is kind of shocking because a lot of people think Especially when this team was ranked number two, they're like, oh, this is a classic Iowa team. They got a good defense, a good running game. Their running game really isn't that good. In fact, it's really bad, to be honest, which is kind of interesting given how much success this team has had this year. They really have absolutely zero success on offense. Like, at least the Gophers can run the ball. Iowa cannot run the ball or pass the ball. They just can't move the ball at all. And... I'll get into it late, a little bit later, but I th- I think a, so, a few of their wins, and uh, they clearly, th- they had turnover luck. Um, I'll get into exactly what that is later, but um, it, it can, they used it to their advantage, obviously, and uh, good teams do that, but th- their turnover margin was absurd through the first seven weeks of the year, but... Uh, moving on to their defense, statistically, um, they allow 15.7 points per game, which is fifth best in the country. Um, so obviously they do have an elite defense, uh, plain and simple. Uh, they allow 206 passing yards per game, which is 38th fewest in the country, and 98.6 on the ground, which is eighth best in the country. Um, so they have a good defense. They have a really good defense, um, but their offense is struggling, absolutely struggling. Um, some players to watch, um, their starting center, Tyler Lindenbaum, might be the best offensive lineman in the country. Um, very, very good, all-American good. And then their best, um, then they have Tyler Goodson at running back who even though the Russian attack is struggling this year, he's still one of the better running backs in the conference. Um, Sam Laporta is their number one uh, receiving option at tight end. Uh, kind of continues the trend of good Iowa tight ends. He's going to be an NFL player, a pretty good tight end. And then their uh, best defensive player, I think, is Jack Campbell, um, a linebacker, and... Um, Redshirt senior safety Jack Corner is also uh, pretty good on for their defense. Um, but like I said, the most recent story for this team was Spencer Petrus was uh, benched against Northwestern due to injury. Um, so he apparently had a shoulder injury late in the game against Wisconsin. And... Three drives into the Northwestern game, he was pulled, saying that his shoulder started to bother him. And obviously, you never want to see someone get hurt, and if he's hurt, he's hurt. But uh, for how poorly the offense has been playing recently and how poorly he's been playing, that obviously raises the question of if he's actually hurt or they just wanted an excuse to bench him. Um, but sophomore Alex Padilla replaced him. 
um, against Northwestern and did fairly well. Um, but uh, Petrus won't start against the Gophers, so it will be Padilla uh, playing against Minnesota. Um, and I feel like the question that everyone is asking is how go- actually good is Iowa? Personally, I think this is no different than just any given Iowa year. They're they're anywhere from 17 to 25th best team in the country. They have a very good defense. Um, When their offense is moving, they're a tough team to beat, but their offense rarely moves, so they're not that tough to beat. Um, I think when they were ranked number two, that was one of the richest – overreactions I've seen in quite a while. They're just not that good of a football team. You can't be the second-best team in the country and your quarterback's throwing, like, 160 yards a game. Uh, like, the, when you boil it down, this team isn't that much different than the Gophers. They're not at all. They just got some turnover luck. But I'll get into that later to, today in the episode. Um, moving on to the offense as a whole for the Hawkeyes. So kind of boiling down their quarterback situation. Um, Petrus, he made, he's made nine starts this year. 58.3 completion percentage, uh, 1,430 yards th- through the air, and nine touchdowns and six picks. Um, so coming from a team with a not a, a very favorable quarterback situation at the moment, Iowa's is not much different. They're, uh, they've not been getting much production at all from their quarterbacks. And uh, Petrus certainly has, has not been anything to write home about. Um, but like I said, he injured his shoulder late against Wisconsin, only played three drives the following week against Northwestern, and he will not play against the Gophers. So they'll turn to Alex Padilla, sophomore quarterback, with only about um, 28 pass attempts in his career. A lot of those were in garbage time, about 10. But uh, last week against Northwestern, when relieving Petrus, he was 18-28 for 172 yards. And for Iowa quarterbacks this year, that is actually pretty good. Um, Padilla was a three-star recruit in 2019. Uh Interesting enough, he held an offer from Georgia, which was a lot different than all of his other offers. He had a bunch of MAC schools and Ivy League schools, and he had, like, Nevada, Colorado State, and then randomly had an offer from Georgia. Uh, I believe he's from Colorado, so I found that interesting. Um, But he's 6'1", 197 pounds. Um, Looking at his high school stats, he had a pretty good junior year. Like a lot of recruits, he kind of struggled in his senior year once he uh, committed, once he had all the offers. Uh, as a junior, he was 182 of 269 for two, 2,678 passing yards and 40 touchdowns with nine interceptions. Um, so obviously all these guys playing at this level have good high school stats, but those like aren't anything uh, that jump off the page. I don't know exactly what level of football he played in Colorado, but... Nonetheless, I don't think this is a, uh, it's not like Padilla is this five-star recruit waiting in the wings and uh, going to be the future of the program. He's just the same old Iowa quarterback. 
He obviously can be uh, better, and he can shock the Gophers, but it's not anything to be scared about, in my opinion. Um, it'll be his first career start against the Gophers, and that's a tough ask for anyone, especially in such a pivotal game in the Big Ten West race. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts, and it should be a great... It should play into the Gophers' favor, to be honest, against a backup QB. Um, but now talking about the running game, what this team's supposed to be good at, but they're really not. Um, junior running back Tyler Goodson has 170 carries on the season for 754 yards and six touchdowns. That's 4.4 yards per carry. A respectable number, but not anything to that jumps off the page at the college level. Um, and unlike a lot of Iowa running backs in the past, Goodson uh, is involved in the passing game. Uh, he has 22 catches for 207 and a score this year through the air. Um, it Watching Iowa games this year, he's actually a very good pass catcher, so that's definitely something I would hope that the Gophers have noticed and I hope they game plan against because uh, this Iowa offense obviously doesn't find that much success that often, but when they do, Goodson's getting the ball in very creative ways, and when he's getting the ball out of the backfield, it kind of adds that extra wrinkle to uh, Iowa offense that has normally been like archaic and it, it makes him a little more exciting so uh but senior running back ivory kelly martin is about their only other major contributor out of the backfield he's working back from injury and it'll be questionable against the gophers um he's the only other guy with over 100 yards rushing on the year he has 44 carries for 190 um Obviously, because he's coming back from injury, I don't think he'll play that big of a role against the Gophers. But if he's in, he'll probably get a few carries here and there. Uh, but it'll be mostly Goodson out of the backfield, and that's definitely who the Gophers will need to worry about. Um, but as for the offensive line, like I said, center Tyler Lindenbaum is first NFL first-round pick good. He's All-American good. I think he honestly has a serious argument to be the best offensive lineman in the country. Um, but offensive line is such a interesting position, and football is an interesting sport because they might have the best offensive line lineman in the country, but they're not even top 100 in rushing yards per game. So uh, Lindenbaum might be very, very good, but as a group, their offensive line is not anything special. It's obviously still an Iowa offensive line. They got talent. Um, they're well-coached. Um, it's supposed to be the strength of the team, but I personally think it's overrated. They're 110th in the country in rushing yards. Uh, but outside of Lindenbaum, including Lindenbaum, uh, they start a redshirt junior at left tackle, redshirt senior at left guard. Lindenbaum's the redshirt junior at center. They start a true freshman at right guard, and then a redshirt sophomore at right tackle. So an interesting mix of youth and veteran players. Uh, the true freshman right guard, his name is Connor Colby. Uh, he's a, was a four-star recruit in 2021, so maybe he's next in line of the great Iowa offensive linemen. Um, never know for sure, obviously. Uh, but I, I don't think uh, this Iowa team is going anywhere. They, uh, as we get further into the roster, you'll tell they play a a solid amount of underclassmen, especially freshmen, for a team 
that is doing so well this year and kind of uncharacteristic for an Iowa team to be completely honest. But yeah, their their offensive line is an Iowa offensive line. It's not their their best that it has been, but it's certainly not the worst. Um it's the Gophers obviously know what Iowa's identity is and who they want to be, and this year it's no different. Um, as for the pass catchers for the Hawkeyes, um, senior tight end Sam Laporta is definitely their number one option. Um, leads the team in catches, yards, and touchdowns with 34 for 391 and 2. Um, he's 6'4", 250, classic tight end build. Um, he's an NFL player. Um, he's a very good tight end. Uh, honestly, has an argument to be one of the better in the country. But uh, the the passing game, the success it does find, it's usually going to Laporta. So uh, that's the. I think the linebackers and safeties are going to be tested this week. They really haven't been tested that much in pass coverage. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Gophers game plan against him. Um, but yeah, he'll definitely be the number one guy in the passing game uh, this week and the rest of the season. As for the receivers, um, freshman, true freshman, again, um, uh, Keegan Johnson uh, leads the receivers in catches, uh, receiving yards, and earn. he doesn't lead them in catches, but he leads them in receiving yards. He has 13 for 282 and 1. Um, he's a 6'1", 200-pound guy, super athletic a uh, four-star recruit in 2020, just like their uh, starting right guard, Connor Colby. Um, so they clearly had a good recruiting class. They're playing two true freshmen, a lot of snaps. Um, so he's a guy to watch out for. Um, redshirt junior uh, Nico Reggiani, uh, Reggini, I don't know. Sorry, Nico, you got a weird last name. Um, he has 22 catches for 274 and a touchdown on the year. He's another six foot 191 guy. Uh, kind of, you can play him all over. Um, and then freshman wide receiver Arlen Bruce the fourth is the only other player over 100 receiving yards. But yeah, obviously this team wants to run the ball instead of passing. Uh, they've uh, offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz has been a hot topic of discussion for all Iowa fans. Obviously, he's the son of the head coach. Um, it's his fourth season as offensive coordinator. He's 38 years old. This offense has looked archaic. They've looked, uh, they've really struggled at times this year. A lot of people saying he needs to be fired. So he's been a very polarizing figure within the program this year. Um what I found interesting is he start, He was with the Patriots for four years before coming to Iowa. The Patriots quietly have an Iowa-New uh, England connection. I believe another Ferenc son is playing on the Hawkeyes right now. I don't know if it's—I'd imagine it's not uh, Kirk Ferenc's son, but uh, maybe it's Brian Ferenc's son. I don't—I'm I, not enthralled in the Ferenc family, so I don't know who it is, but I just thought that was interesting. But, yeah, uh, Ferenc— Brian, not a good offensive coordinator. Hasn't shown it yet. Um, curious to see how, after scoring um, 24, 27, 12, uh, their highest scoring game this year was 51 against Maryland, but since then it's been 23 points, 7 points, 7 points, 17. So 
in their uh, one and two stretch, they haven't scored over 17 points. So it's looked pretty bad for the offense. A lot of people are blaming it on Ferenc. I don't know whose fault it is. It, it's a uh, very similar story to the Gophers. Uh, they have a quarterback issue. They have an offensive coordinator issue. But people are trying to figure out who to blame it on. Um, but, yeah, uh, on to the defense. Uh, Iowa likes to run classic 4-3 front. Their defensive line led by another redshirt freshman, defensive tackle Lucas Van S, who leads the team with five sacks. Um, they kind of like to rotate a lot, a lot like the Gophers. Uh, redshirt junior defensive end Joe Evans, second on the team with four. Uh, redshirt junior defensive end Joe Wagner, also a solid defensive end that will uh, – have played a role and just played a role all year. Uh, overall, it's an experienced group that's obviously very uh, tough in the run uh, defense department, one of the best units in the country. Um, at linebacker, Iowa obviously always has good linebackers. Uh, junior Jack Campbell leads the team with 80 tackles. Um, redshirt junior Seth Benson is second with 65 um, and then junior Dane Belton is the other starter. He hasn't been as successful in the tackling department this year, but he has a team-high four interceptions on the season. Uh, it's an experienced group, obviously, three juniors. Uh, they know what they're doing. They're not going to commit mistakes, much like every Iowa team. Um, in the secondary, uh, redshirt senior safety Jack Horner is third on the team in tackles with 60 and he has two interceptions on the year, so he's kind of their guy, their chess piece. They like to move around on defense, does a little bit of it all. Um, and then uh, senior DB Riley Moss, who also has team-high four interceptions, um, is returning from injury, and he's likely to play against the Gophers, so that's another thing to watch out for. Um, and then senior Matt Hankins is probably the team's best cornerback. Um, redshirt sophomore Jamari Harris starts alongside him at the other cornerback spot. Um, and then the other starting name to watch out for is redshirt junior safety, Kerry Mayweather. Uh, much like the linebackers and really everyone on this defense, they don't have a main superstar. Uh, they got a lot of guys who make plays and a lot of guys who uh, do their job. Um, it's kind of, the, honestly, the Patriots connection. Um, the Iowa just kind of does that, especially on defense. They they rarely have one guy who's like a superstar. They just got a group that buys in and uh, plays in the system. Um, but their defense coordinator, Phil Parker, has been there D.C. since 2012. He's been with Iowa since 99, and he's 58 years old. Um, but, yeah, it's just a classic Iowa defense. Um, but like I said, Early in the season, this team had so much turnover luck. Uh, just turnover turnovers are an interesting part in football because uh, it's not sustainable to get like four or five of them in a game because you ne obviously need the other team to make a mistake. It's not always because you're forcing them into bad positions. Like a tip pass off an Iowa State receiver going into an Iowa guy's hand and they return that for a touchdown the running back trips over a guy's foot and then uh, the ball slams into a helmet and then falls out. Like, that's not a sustainable thing to rely on that 
for good field position and uh, and points. Like they were scoring off turnovers, and that really masked a massive hole in this offense that couldn't move the ball. Like they had a bunch of turnovers against Indiana. We obviously know how good and how bad Indiana is now. So a thirty-four to six victory does not look that impressive as it did after week one. Um, in that Iowa State game, 27-17, to 17, that game honestly shocked me. I thought Iowa State was going to win. I thought Iowa State was going to have a better year than Iowa, like most people. Um, but they had a bunch of turnover luck in that game. They won the game, and I'm not taking anything away from them, but it's caught up to them. Uh, they didn't look dominant against Kent State. Kent State stuck around. They only beat Colorado State by 10. That Maryland game, I remember watching the Maryland game. They had, uh, it, it was close in the first quarter. I believe they scored a touchdown to start the second quarter to go up 10-7. to seven. Then Maryland's best player, their star wide receiver, uh, tears his ACL or tears up his knee on the kickoff. Then that, uh, and he fumbles. See, that wasn't because Iowa was good. That was just luck. Like, Maryland's kick returner broke his uh, knee and Iowa recovered the fumble. That's not sustainable. You can't be like, wow, Iowa's so good. They, their, their special teams is so intimidating that their opposing kick returners break their knees. Uh, but So then Iowa goes down and scores. The following play uh, for Maryland's offense, Talia throws an interception. It was a terrible throw, um, and it might be because Iowa had a good scheme against it, but... Then Iowa goes down and scores. So quickly, the momentum that looked barely on Iowa's side, it looked like it was going to be a close game, quickly it's now 24-7. to The following offensive play, Talia throws another interception. And then Iowa goes down and scores. Now it's 31-7 to halfway through the second quarter, and Maryland didn't take a breath. That wasn't because of Iowa's offense. It was because of turnover luck. So that game flipped on its head. Uh, Maryland lost all its confidence. Talia lost all of his confidence at quarterback. Uh, they get that win. And then at home against Penn State, Iowa looked horrible in the first half. Horrible. Sean Clifford, Penn State starting quarterback, goes out with injury. Penn State then looks horrible. And Iowa, turnover luck from Penn State's terrible backup quarterback and injury luck from Penn State's starting quarterback. They squeak by Penn State at home, and then they're ranked number two in the country. So none of those wins were that. They had one impressive win against Iowa State to start the year. I will give that to them. They looked great in that game. Uh, Indiana's terrible. Maryland uh, now isn't that good, but they got so many bounces in that game. They obviously dominate them, which you want a team to do if they get that many bounces. But they got a lot of bounces. Um, and then in Penn State, they got lucky. Uh, I'm not bashing in Iowa. They're a good team. Like I said, they're a 17 to 25 team. They're they're an eight win team. They're gonna play in the Holiday Bowl just like every year. Uh, but their injury luck ran out against Purdue. Or, and their turnover luck, excuse me. And they looked terrible, horrible. They looked very, very bad. Purdue dominated them at home. Then they went to Wisconsin, got dominated by a Wisconsin team, and Graham Mertz, who doesn't know how to throw a football. 
Um, and then they barely beat Northwestern. Um, so their turnover look has caught up to them. When you don't get three or four turnovers in a game, it's hard, really hard for this team to score points. Um, but I'll leave it at that because I could go on forever. Uh, this Iowa team has frustrated me all season because they are just not good. And whatever. I dig, I digress. Um, but for the Gophers on Saturday, I uh, want to see some intermediate passing routes, getting the ball out of Tanner's hands early on offense. you got to get Tanner in rhythm. Uh, no matter what you think, if Tanner should be benched, if Sanford should be fired, demoted, stop calling plays, I don't think any of that's going to happen in the season, to be completely honest. Um, I don't think that's Flexway's way of doing things. Um, so, you got to do uh, play with what play with what cards you're dealt. So it's going to be Tanner and Sanford, and I just hope Tanner gets the ball out of his hand early. It's getting those quick routes because, like I touched on the earlier episode this week, Tanner's not a good deep ball thrower, and when you continue to ask him to throw the ball deep, he loses his confidence because he doesn't have the arm talent to go deep and throw his receivers open. He's good at throwing to open receivers and letting the receivers do the work. He's a veteran quarterback that knows what he's doing. And like in that Nebraska game that I touched on earlier this week, that was his best game of the year because he was getting the ball out and early to uh, Crab and uh, Mike Brown-Stevens. And if they, he can do the same thing like that, I think he can uh, at least trend in the right direction after what happened last week. Uh Iowa's run defense is really the only thing they do super well. So I think the Gophers are going to be forced to throw again. And I think the only way they win this game is if Tanner plays well. Uh, They can't win the game if he he has another 8-for-12 passing day for 120 rushing yards. Well, I mean, if he does, that probably means that the run offense was doing well. Um, But you know what I mean. He needs to play well. Um, My biggest two... uh, keys to the game is Tanner needs to play well and I think this game's going to come down a lot to coaching it's going to be a close game uh PJ cannot coach emotionally uh you remember the Iowa game last year at the end especially him and Ferenc were kind of going at it with those timeouts and it was a weird ending PJ cannot get into the into the rivalry he needs to coach his game uh there can't be silly mistakes like this is like, every play is going to matter in this game. Every timeout's going to matter. You know how I think about that if you listen to this podcast. But I think whoever coaches better might win this game. And then, uh, obviously, PJ's never beat Iowa. The Gophers have lost seven straight. So uh, he, he always talks about the one-game championship season, and I think this, this week it rings true more than any week. And I think it's going to be whoever comes in more well-prepared and well-disciplined is going to win this game. Um, And then uh, before I let you go, I want to touch on the college football playoff rankings reaction. Um, I think after this week and after the rankings came out, I think it kind of shows that the Rose Bowl might be out of question. I think the only way the Gophers make the Rose Bowl at this point is if they win out, including beating Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Um, so like it, I believe Purdue, Iowa, and Wisconsin were all in a row. I, Purdue kind of just replaced us, and Wisconsin was first instead of us. 
<coughs> um, but so if we win this week, we're obviously going to be above Iowa. And then if we beat Indiana, I think we'll still be behind Purdue and Wisconsin because Purdue has better wins than us um, at Iowa and at home against a top 10 Michigan State team, much better than our wins at Purdue and, I don't know, at home against Nebraska. Those are our two best wins. But uh, and So if we beat Wisconsin, uh, we'll probably be above both them and Purdue. So if we win out the regular season, go to the Big Ten Championship. But I think at that point, it we'd still be behind a two-loss Michigan or Michigan State because uh, we'd have three losses. They'd have two, and their losses would likely – they both play Ohio State still, so their losses would, to be, would be against Ohio State and Michigan State or Ohio State and Purdue, a lot different than our losses to Bowling Green – Illinois and Ohio State um but so they just need to win the Big Ten Championship if they want to go to the Rose Bowl that's my biggest takeaway from the rankings um the committee clearly thinks the Big Ten's good uh like they ranked Michigan and Michigan State ahead of Oklahoma which I found interesting but uh yeah this team still controls its own destiny and the they can't care about the rankings right now. They need to care about just winning football games. PJ talks about the one-week championship, and that's all they need to do this week. Just stick their row, their oar in the boat, in the water, and row. And that's plain and simple. Um, so that's all I got for you guys today. I appreciate you listening. And as always, row the boat, sky you ma, and go Gophers. <laughs>